travellers, and welcome to podcast 105 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Must be a Ryanair passenger because he's clutching a tiny bag the same as mine. Uh, uh, slightly bigger in, in, in volume and slightly heavier than a packet of crisps, but not much. Yes, today we are tackling, well, revisiting, uh, technically speaking, the idea of travelling light. Would a packet of crisps make it into your essential items? But before we unpack that subject, which I'd say is up there with the most burning travel issues of the age, I'm sure anyone who listened to last week's podcast will have been on tenterhooks ever since, wondering, Simon, if you actually made it up the mountain after you'd rushed away from the recording in Prestwick, not very international airport. Well, I didn't. Um, I was hoping to climb the Merrick, the name of the highest mountain in southwest Scotland. But uh, I hopped on the train um, and headed south. And by the time I got to Bar Hill, which is one of the loneliest railway stations in the UK, uh, the, the wind had picked up, the rain was bucketing down, and I decided I would uh, instead wander off. I went to the uh, Bar Hill Memorial Hall, where coincidentally they were having a, uh, a, a coffee morning in aid of um, Ukraine. Uh, so that was very good. And then I went off and found a little bit of history. Well, I'm here by a babbling burn and I'm a maybe a 10 minute walk outside Bar Hill, but at a very significant location. This is the tomb of two men, John Murchie and Daniel Meeklerick. In 1685, it is said, they were carrying Bibles. Um, they were believers in Scottish Presbyterianism, which at the time was um, outlawed. And they were shot for being covenanters because they had signed the National Covenant of the early 17th century, um, wanting to uh, practice their religion. And they were covenanters. Um, they went into the hills. I'm surrounded by beautiful hills here. There's a ridge just up to the right and a very sturdy stone monument with the burial place of... Uh, these two men just where they were shot. Well, the subject of human brutality and intolerance also reared its ugly head in last week's podcast 104, Return of the Cold War. We pondered the possible fallout for travel from Putin's brutal invasion and also recalled Simon's visit to Chernobyl when it was a tourist attraction. There were several comments on Twitter at you should have Rebecca tweeted, such an awful situation. Ukraine is on my list of places I'd love to visit, including Chernobyl. I find the Duga radar particularly fascinating. Now, I have been on the Chernobyl day trip and goodness, it is a very sobering, very professional um, and, and really educational experience. And just that radar array that she mentions, it's called Duga or also known as Chernobyl too. This was a very rudimentary and completely, by the way, ineffective early warning system. It was supposed to detect intercontinental ballistic missiles being aimed at the Soviet Union. And if you can imagine a football pitch, yep, even where Palace play, um, lifted up on its side, made entirely effectively of sort of barbed wire, 
Um, that's what it looks like. And the idea was that it would be able to detect pulses as these things took off. And then um, the Soviet Union would be able to respond. Now, fortunately, they never tried it out, um, but it just is sitting there rusting as this extraordinary testament to uh, to the Cold War and, of course, something we thought we had left behind decades ago. Well, I suppose that rather bears out to Kevin Jackson's tweet, who says that uh, travel is tightly entwined with politics and always will be. Yes, and uh, George Morrison wrote, I've been to both countries, I really like Kiev, and I had a nice evening on a business trip there with a beer and pizza watching groups of young folks socialising, having fun. The other day I looked it up on Google Maps, I hope I can go there again one day. Uh, Kiev is genuinely a really friendly, beautiful city of the great cities of the former Soviet Union, um, absolutely the star. Um, I was there most recently in 2018. It's a uh, fascinating, beautiful, friendly place. And I trust we will be able to go back there. And just a reminder, tourism is going to be absolutely a force for good to bring foreign exchange into the country, uh, to create employment and to help the uh, Ukrainians recover after this brutal invasion. Well, the shockwaves of the uh, of the war have obviously spread well beyond the uh, borders of Ukraine itself. And um, here's a practical question from Carl Johnson. As a Christmas present, my wife bought us a weekend in Krakow in May. Do you think it's still a good idea to go? I assume there would be uh, no refund if we decided not to. Now, Anna O'Connor responded with... Uh, it's been only three weeks since the invasion, so Lord knows where we'll be by May. I'd imagine no refund, and perhaps not covered by insurance due to the classification of war. I'd imagine you'd be very welcome, though, and they'd appreciate the economic support. Yeah, I completely agree with Anna there, because um, Krakow and anywhere else really in, in Eastern Europe, behind what we used to call the Iron Curtain, really suffering. And yes, nobody wants to get in the way of humanitarian efforts to help refugees, but they have got big tourist industries, which at the moment are not seeing any visitors at all. And indeed, uh, in a week's time, I'm delighted to be settling off, setting off for the three former Soviet Baltic republics, Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia. Um, to show some support to what I guess we have to call frontline states. Well, and uh, without sounding too clever, I suppose picking up Kevin Jackson's point about uh, travel and uh, politics being uh, tightly intertwined, you could also add um, legal definitions, particularly when insurance is involved. Uh, yes, indeed. Anyway, time to lighten up and talk about travelling light. This is a subject we mused on in podcast 28 on in what seems like, well, I guess, light years ago. Uh, enough light puns, please. Yes, sorry. Anyway, we will revisit an audio duel from our archive in a sec, but... I suppose it's tempting to think that travelling light is a relatively new idea because of all the airline restrictions and new lightweight materials. But I actually enjoyed a couple of rather unexpected examples from the past that you happen to find during your research for Podcast 28. Uh, now, this, of course, um, reminds me of my favourite um, light lightweight traveller, although he wasn't a lightweight in any sense, uh, the great surrealist artist and uh, sculptor Marcel Duchamp, who um, 
who's famous for that um, urinal which he presented to a big art um, exhibition um, under the name of The Fountain, questioning um, all the foundations of art and uh, you know what the purpose of it all was. But he apparently loved to travel light. He liked going away for the weekend with his, uh, with his wife, and uh, she said he took up less space than anybody she knew, which was presumably because all he took was never a suitcase, two shirts, worn one, <laughs> worn one on top of the other. <laughs> For some reason, it makes me laugh a great deal. And a toothbrush um, in his jacket pocket. So he had a jacket on top of the, uh, of the two shirts. I reckon that's quite stylish, don't you reckon? I, I certainly do. So no room for any urinal. Um, he, he, yeah, it's very, uh, very impressive um, and quite touching that uh, he was, I guess, uh, not just a revolutionary artist, but also um, very avant-garde in the, in the field of um, keeping luggage to a minimum uh, for environmental reasons, of course, which uh, it, we, we must all do. The less you haul, um, in the manner of um, uh, Cliff Richard, uh, the less energy it consumes, the less carbon it, uh, it spews out. So a, a very, very good thing. Thank you, Marcel. And let's not uh, disregard the selfish side of all of this, Carrying a load of stuff can be really rather painful. And there is um, a very good Spanish uh, travel proverb um, to this effect, which is, En camino largo, paja pesa. Uh, I don't know if you'd like to take a guess at that. Um, en camino largo, paja pesa. Well, I'll tell you. Any... Uh, for, for long journeys, um, less weight? Not bad. On a long journey, paja, that's straw. So even something light um, starts to weigh heavy if you're on a long journey. It's also, I think, um, disrupts the normal spirit of adventure as well if you've got loads of stuff to lug around. So uh, you might be, we've been on many, many uh, trails through various parts of the world, in particular the Pyrenees, and it might be that there's a you know, couple of hundred feet up to the right, there's a, a um, great sight to see. Um, and if you've got too much stuff, that might put you off um, that bit of exploring. Although, of course, up in the mountains, you can generally leave your bag. It's more in the cities where you're thinking, oh, I'd love to go to that uh, uh, that, that particular uh, viewpoint, to that um, gallery, uh, to that outdoor sculpture or whatever. But frankly, I can't be bothered because I'm just being weighed down. Um, the, the, this, uh, yeah, the, you, you've got to carry that weight and it is not fun. And it's not, not it's detrimental to the business of just enjoying yourself and seeing what the world has to offer. You know, I was thinking that if uh, old Marcel had to uh, tote around his urinal himself, he probably <laughs> didn't actually want to be uh, taking too much other luggage with him. Um, <laughs> um, but listen, I do feel obliged to mention that uh, your idea of uh, travelling light and mine seem to be somewhat different. Um, I've had to uh, carry your pack occasionally, briefly, I'm glad to say. And uh, I kind of thought that um, carrying your own cement mixer would probably have been a bit lighter. And I, I do wonder how you've ever managed to get on a low cost flight while still paying a low cost. 
Well, when you and I are going into the mountains, then that requires not just lots of um, uh, warm gear, lots of food supplies, lots of water. Um, it also requires me, sadly, because of my job to carry around uh, laptops, which historically, Mick, have been about the size of um, uh, garden sheds. So uh, they, they have now slimmed down considerably. And while I don't quite go to the uh, Marcel Duchamp toothbrush um, level i can perfectly happily um get away with what i'm doing next week which is uh, as i mentioned going to the baltic republics flying out on with air back on ryanair and their rules are pretty much if it doesn't fit into a small backpack that you can shove under the seat in in front of you um then you're going to have to pay extra so i can do it and of course you just wear as many clothes as you as you need to, and you dispense with all the um, the unnecessaries. And uh, uh, so that I can get to work. I mean, given the the alternative is to pay several times what your airfare is in order to take a slightly bigger bag. I'm not interested in that. So you basically let the uh, ever shrinking allowance determine what it is you're packing. Yes, and of course you make the odd sacrifice. So certainly only one pair of, uh, of of shoes, and if that means that you are going to be wearing heavy walking boots into something like a fancy restaurant, well, um, that's that's uh, tough luck. You just have to uh, you just have to wear it. Are there any specific rules that you follow? I mean, I've had a quick look at the internet, and of course there are rules of five, rules of four, <laughs> rules of three. I did read about a rule of five which i don't suppose makes it onto your uh, packing agenda in which your five tops um have to be chosen so that they will go in different combinations with the bottoms that you take <laughs> so that you are wearing something apparently fresh and new and of course uh, matching um on every day of your uh, your fortnight holiday uh, you're quite right, Mick. That's not something that uh, is um, uppermost in my mind when <laughs> I am packing. Um, I mean, the the thing is that if you've got a, a couple of shirts, so wearing one, carrying another, same for underwear, you can always, uh, you know, particularly if you get to a hotel early enough in the in the afternoon or the evening, you can just wash um, the, the day's stuff and then uh, that's all you need. You only need one change of clothes. You certainly do not need five different tops if you've got five different tops or more than one pair of shoes you're doing something wrong well i do remember um, a particularly brilliant service that was offered by a very small hotel in the spanish pyrenees which catered particularly for walkers and cyclists and if you arrived at the hotel before 5 30 um, p.m uh, you would actually get your laundry done free mm. Which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Needless to say, we got lost and didn't get there in time. But that, but but it was a very very nice idea, and I think uh, there should be more of that sort of thing. Yes, uh, the uh, uh, the opposite, I guess, of that is what uh, a lot of relatively well healed um, uh, pilgrims on the Camino do, which is that they send their belongings ahead by taxi so you can get a group of four or five walkers who set off in the morning 
um, striding remarkably unencumbered with just a tiny day pack on, um, while their heavy luggage is being trucked across northern Spain and will be awaiting them in their very nice new Parador when they arrive. Well, I can't help but say fair play to them because, in a way, they um, enjoy being unencumbered, whereas those of us who stupidly, even at an advanced age, drag our own ridiculously heavy packs around uh, can actually feel morally superior. <laughs> yes, morally, but uh, not physically, definitely. <laughs> well, Rebecca Halpen has kindly shared her own packing tips with us, which I'll now share with you. Good. On the subject of travelling light, I like to think I've become quite an expert. I take a backpack which fits under the plane seat so I can avoid the hassle of either checking in baggage or trying to find room in the overhead lockers. Packing cubes are great as even just one can fit clothes for several days and serves as a way of keeping them neat when unpacked at the destination. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that then? Packing cubes, I can't say I've ever come upon them. No, it sounds like a, a giant piece of Lego that you cram things into. I've seen a bizarre... I'm going to look them up. Sorry, go on, yeah. I've, I've seen a bizarre um, thing, which is effectively vacuum packing your clothes ah. so that you put them in a in a plastic container you, you remove all the air and they really cram down low but of course for that anything that actually increases the number of things you've got to take like the vacuum pack i i i dismiss immediately as over complicating it just take one fewer thing well and by the way of course um British Airways, uh, if you go flying with them, you can take one really quite large bag, one uh, backpack size bag, and each of them can weigh 23 kilograms. And that's your cabin baggage, everybody. So wow. you've got at one extreme Ryanair and, uh, and, and Wizz Air being really mean. Um, and the other extreme... British Airways being absurdly generous and uh, uh, certainly the number of people I've been hearing from in the past few weeks who've had their baggage lost courtesy or misrooted courtesy of British Airways, um, the more you can carry on board the plane, the better. <laughs> A very useful warning. Let's carry on with uh, Rebecca's advice. I take just one pair of shoes, so she agrees with you there, uh, which as I'm wearing them don't need to be packed fair point, and toiletries, which by necessity have to be small to comply with the 100 milliliter liquids rule. Then just a few basics like chargers, adapter, very important, Kindle, and a book of Japanese puzzles for entertainment. What? Um, I, I was with you pretty much all the way, Rebecca, until you got into the book of Japanese puzzles for entertainment. There are many ways of entertaining yourself, and Japanese pu puzzles, I would say, are not mandatory. Uh, a couple are of they other very things, small? The, <laughs> you, uh, I mean, well, uh, but uh, do you see what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I do not know. Oh, maybe, maybe it's just Sudoku. Ah. Uh, who knows? But anyway, you can get all of these things on your phone, of course, which of course you've got with you. And yes, I agree that the ridiculous number of pieces of wire and chargers and adapters is, is just um, getting wilder by the day. Just one quick thing on the hundred milliliter liquids rule, Shannon airport in the west of ireland which by the way is the kind of uh sibling of prestwick international airport um just suddenly said oh yeah we haven't got a liquids rule anymore you can take as much as you want 
Um, so that's actually going to make packing even more difficult. <laughs> well, I would say in terms of entertainment, what more does a person need or two people need than a pack of cards? Um, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, they take up next to no space. If you're um, on your own, you can play solitaire. If you're with one other person, you can play German Whist, which is an absolutely fantastic game, although it can get a bit difficult when there's uh, turbulence because you need uh, quite a lot of cards sort of out at one time. And I have known my uh, very good hand disappear under under, under row 31. Um, <laughs> OK, here's Rebecca's uh, last uh, uh, offer. Travel paperwork, passport and money go into a small cross body bag and another tip is to get your children to carry their own stuff i would add and yours from a young age as soon as soon as they were able mine each had a backpack and were responsible for what they took with them they're now also experts in traveling light how marvellous, but I want to know what a small cross-body bag is. Um, and also, yeah, of course, she mentions paperwork. These days, you've got to carry a mountain of sheaf of papers proving your vaccination status and the yeah. uh, test result you've just had. So it does get uh, get very messy. Well, I, I think if she means one of those kind of body belt things, uh, I, I've I've got two or three different ones of those and i have been known to um, <laughs> to use them all not so much actually on planes but um uh, but but while um, traveling around dodgy parts of cities so i kind of have a rough idea which one of them has ready cash so um therefore i don't have to get out a wad of notes to pay for something which one has a card in it uh, and which one has my passport this can become confusing i admit uh, yes, and, and indeed obsessive. And of course, if you're flying on a budget airline, they may well say, is that a crossbody bag? I don't think you've paid for that. Um, we, we shall see. Now, uh, as as we heard when Rebecca kindly shared her uh, list of essentials, there's a lot of personal variation. And over the course of the distinguished history of You Should Have Been There, we've asked some of our equally distinguished travelling guests what the first thing they would put in their packs apart from the obvious documents and of course that all-important toothbrush. So here are the must-take choices of Sarah Baxter, travel writer and walker, Sasha Heaney, adventure travel guide, who by the way just yesterday whatsapped me to say she was just taking a group across the border from Lebanon into Syria. And first Tristan Gooley, explorer and natural navigator. <laughs> What's the first thing you put in your uh, luggage, in your bag, when you uh, go away somewhere? It's probably, it, the, the object itself varies, but it's, it's normally my means of connection. And I think we're, we're probably all, all quite sort of similar in that. If, it, if, it's a very, if it's a very sort of routine trip, I think we all check that we've got, got our sort of usual things these days, obviously including our, our phone. But depending on the trip is, it's normally, so I can think back to sort of backpacking trips and... Um, I'm sure you've had the same experience, you know, long before we were all carrying phones where you, the key thing you have is the piece of paper with the phone number on it. So if, if it's somewhere remote, it might be a, a satellite phone or something like that. So, so the actual object changes, changes each time. But for me, it's that thing that's going to make sure that when I choose to, I can actually connect with the next person I, I want or need to. What's the first thing you pack uh, when you're um, off on a long walk? 
very, very tedious, um, but I would always pack a notebook and pen. You know, whether I'm going for work, whether I'm going for fun, I, I like to have a notebook and pen with me. Um, I would also always pack a merino t-shirt. I think merino is the, the again, a magical fabric. Um, I've worn the same merino t-shirt for five days walking in a hot Spanish summer, and I don't think I smell at the end of it. Maybe other people disagreed, but uh, they are they are wonderful for those times when you're doing a lot of walking without uh, any use for washing machine. Sasha, what's the most important item in your luggage? The the first thing you pack. Um... I think it's always earplugs. I'm <sighs> always so yeah. I'm quite a light sleep. I'm really susceptible to noise. It's the one thing, if I forget, I get really annoyed about because I've got specific ones as well. So, yeah, I think them. Um, oh, and, and my Polaroid camera. That's the other thing I always pack. No, they don't yeah. make them, do they? What do, with the old... yeah. Crikey. Well, thanks, uh, Sasha, Sarah and Tristan. Uh, Simon, you seemed astonished by uh, Sasha's reference to the Polaroid camera. <laughs> Well, given that we all carry a camera basically on our smartphone these days, and certainly I don't know the last time I ever used an actual camera, the idea that you would take some kind of 1960s relic with you um, is, is uh, bizarre to well, me. Well, I've got a theory about this, which I'll, um, I'll uh, confirm or not with Sasha uh, when she gets back from what I consider to be a very high risk um, adventure. Um, and that's that the Polaroid camera means you can take pictures of um, people you meet or, or mm. places you're in and then astonish and delight them, if you see what I mean. Yes, by giving them an actual yeah. print. Yes, I can see what you mean. It still strikes me as a little bit 21st century because actually most of the people I encounter pretty much anywhere in the world have a camera with a uh, have a phone with a camera anyway and so therefore you're not you're not going to astonish them and leave them something that uh, generations of their family will discuss as it sits on the mantelpiece. Well, fair point. Um, but in terms of the other suggestions of from our distinguished guests, I'm absolutely in favour of a notebook, though I wouldn't take a pen. I'd take a pencil and it would be a propelling pencil because that means you then oh. don't have to take a pencil sharpener <laughs> as well. Um, I would also... Uh, be absolutely in favour of merino tops, um, very lightweight, keep you warm, keep you cool as well if they're very good, and you can wear them for weeks. Uh, but, but, well, yes, but are they matching? Have you got the rule of five with your five merino tops? Well, you don't wear tops, two at the same time, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, however, I would say that um, merino itself, um, apart from being more expensive, can also be quite um, sort of itchy and irritating. So I would go for the right kind of uh, merino mix. And I'm also absolutely in favour of earplugs. Those are actually the first thing I put into um, into my luggage because everywhere is incredibly noisy and uh, and uh, stops you sleeping. Uh, I, I think that you need to have a perfectly designed backpack, which is absolutely uh, has a sort of frame and it is absolutely to the millimeter within the uh, limits of Wizz Air of Ryanair if it can be retractable and expandable I think that ah. would do quite well because you would know that you were packing absolutely everything into the maximum and if it were a kind of cuboid thing then um, Rebecca with her packing cubes would presumably have fun filling it up 
this is absolutely fantastic. And this would be possibly the star attraction uh, at our You Should Have Been There duty-free lightweight travel shop, which, yes. I, I, I did, um, which I did do a shout out for when we uh, first uh, tackled this topic, um, as you said, light years ago. Um, and this would, um, this would take up some of the space um, devoted to what I consider to be entirely um, uh, insane um, quantities of perfume at uh, current duty-free shops and everything would weigh, I don't know, what would we say? What would be the sort of 100 grams? 100 grams, that would tie in neatly with the 100 millilitres, which of course um, in in water terms is exactly 100 grams. So it it all works. Oh, there we go. Well, any dragons or investors out there, um, we are uh, we are waiting. Next week, we're going to be considering the connection between uh, travel and drugs. A um, a wide canvas, I'd say. Yes, everything from the writers whose journeys have perhaps over relied on illicit substances to the extraordinarily long list of medicines you're not allowed to take into Japan. Until then, from me, Mick Webb, and me, Simon Corder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.